Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. But like you're saying, I kind of realized, yeah, it's not about the end goal. It's about the process. You know, I'm traveling the world with my best friends and I'm just having a blast doing it. And I'm realizing it's about the relationships you make and the connections you make. And We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to the show, folks. You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is episode 124, if you can believe it. Pretty crazy. Thank you all so much for continuing to tune in each and every week. Today, we have Wes Cathcart on the podcast. Wes is an Olympic hopeful for the Greco team. I think he's ranked like fourth or fifth on the ladder right now. Um, but he's from the same hometown as I am. He's a hometown hero, multiple-time state placer. After high school, he went to the USOEC for Greco. And I really enjoyed hearing about the peaks and valleys of Wes's career. You know, like many of the folks we've had on the show, his career has been anything but linear. And I think we can all relate to some of the some of the battles and journeys that he's gone through. I really hope you enjoy it. Fan of the Week goes to Scott Vasek. Scott Thank you for reaching out via email and greatly appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Now let's give it up for my man, Wes Cathcart. Wes Cathcart, the pride of Geneseo. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you, Ryan? Outstanding. Thanks for joining the show, man. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Dude, an honor to have the first Geneseo alum on the podcast. And for those of you listening, Geneseo is where I went. It's where Wes is, uh, went as well. And so... Awesome to have a, have a local on the show. So, Wes, you just got fifth at the U.S. Open. I'm saying comeback story of the year, man. Before we get into all of the current events, why don't we just go back in time. Where did all this get started for you? How would you get involved with the sport? Uh, I think I was five years old at the time, living in Oregon. and My dad had wrestled in high school but moved on to football for college and always wished he would have stuck with it more. So he kind of just pushed me into it. And- let me go get beat up. Growing up with three sisters, he figured he needed to make me tough somehow. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, so you wrestled at an early age. When did you guys move to Geneseo? I moved here, I think I was in kindergarten, so it was shortly after. We actually had moved up from Aurora area, so we came down this way, and we started in Oregon on a farm and then moved closer to Geneseo and started going to school. All of us went for kindergarten, I think. Gotcha, okay. I didn't realize your dad was a, was a wrestler and athlete back in the day. Yeah, he wrestled for Moline, and he actually had two or three pro football tryouts, too. He was just too short for the 
lineman that they wanted to get in the NFL. So dude, he's always no been shit. a pretty high caliber athlete. Oh yeah, he's a real powerful dude. He's, well, he's a big dude though. He's got like his hands are like bear paws. <laughs> yeah, they are. Dude, yeah, they're uh, huge. Yeah, he had me in the weight room at a young age for sure. That's his thing. How how early do you think, man, if you had to go back? Like how early were you in there working out with the old man in the garage? Oh man, it was I mean, you know, when we were kindergarten, uh, probably like first grade and stuff, he'd always have me wrestle my sisters. Then he'd bring us to the basement. And he was all about form, you know, not necessarily getting as much weight as we could lift up, but just having perfect form at a young age. So then when it came time for football, this and everything, I already moved my way around the weight room pretty well. Dude, that's cool to think back to first grade, second grade, you're down there with the pops, just going over <laughs> form and technique lifting. That had to be some good times. Yeah, it was. It was a nice little dungeon. You know, it wasn't anything fancy, but it was nice kind of just down there spending time and realizing that it was just a normal thing to be in there lifting. Exactly, dude. My, uh, I remember when my dad got my brother Tanner and I our dumbbell set for Christmas. Like We, we had like these little weight charts. We must have been in fifth or sixth grade, but had charts on the wall and did like five exercises, but... It it made a difference in your mind. It also kind of gave you a little bit more confidence knowing that you were working out early on. So it's cool that you and your pops had that same thing. Yeah, it helped going through high school too. You'd see all these kids trying to lift as much metal as they could and pulling their bags and just trying to be strong. And I realized it wasn't about the weight you lift. It's just about the workout you get yourself. So that was always nice. Absolutely. And then, dude, so middle school time frame, were you wrestling IKWF at this time? Uh, Yeah. It actually, I was a spider club guy, and uh, I think the switch split for me a little bit in like sixth or seventh grade. That Peoria Open they used to have like an elite division, and I was out there wrestling in that one time and did all right and was wrestling all the kids I used to watch at state. And I was like, man, I'm right here with them. I got the same skill level. I just gotta put it in my head that I got it there too. So that's kind of when I started becoming more elite and getting state medals and doing national stuff. How did you do in the IKWF series back in the day? Because you came through like a few years behind me so we were never on the same team but you were close yeah. by i had gone to state i think you know every year in middle school and i didn't place until my eighth grade year i got fourth place there gotcha so that and was then, a um, that was a little bit of a breakout year and then one of the things i could not believe dude was that your freshman year you did not start varsity i gotta ask man who beat you out or was it just something where you didn't feel like you were ready well, it was, yeah, it was, for me, it was kind of a mentality thing again. You know, that's kind of been the story with me in my career a little bit is not being mentally prepared. And I went in that freshman year, my older sister, Trisha, that, you know, she was a senior when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with all her friends. And when we moved into town, you know, they had all been teaching me how to skateboard and building ramps with me and stuff. And so I went in there and I beat Austin Carney, who was like the, you know, one place away from making state that mm-hmm. year before. And so I beat him, you know, eight to two or something like that and he freaked out and you know tried fighting me was swinging on me and stuff and I just kind of let him wear himself out and then the next match I had was I think Devin Turner or Devin Blackert okay and uh I kind of you know I went in there and I wrestled but I didn't give it my all and I think I was already like oh man these kids aren't gonna like me if I come beat everybody and so I lost that match like eight to six and never wrestled off again I was just content with being a JV stud or something what Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I know it. I regret it. I mean, and if you look back too, you go in the high school room and they got on the wall there the hundred win club, and I'm at ninety nine because I was, you know, kind dude. of a pussy my freshman year, and then <laughs> year I had all those injuries. 
Man, so could could you you I mean in the room though, you had to be beating those guys, right? On a weekly basis? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I had this technique and you know, I wasn't necessarily a full mature kid yet at the point, but I was big enough and strong enough and I had the technique to hold my own. It was you know, I was just having fun with my other freshman friends at the J V tournaments and I was winning, so I was cool with that. <laughs> just having a good time, kicking it. Those are fun bus rides back, man. Just loading up on McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then, dude, your your sophomore year, you come in. I don't think a lot of the outsiders really knew much about you, but at that point, kind of, had you made up your mind that you were ready to go? I, I mean, and really taking it seriously? Because you get second in state, which was out of nowhere to a lot of people. Where Where, where were you going into that sophomore year? Yeah, I think I think like I said, I had that freshman season. I was went in and I kind of knew that I shouldn't have been where I was on the JV level. There, I went up maybe for one or two varsity matches and won those. And uh, so sophomore year, I just went in there and I think I had actually that summer too. I did the Fargo camp for the first time. I think that's actually maybe when I started doing Outlaws with you guys too, that Outlaw Freestyle Greco Club. And so I went to Fargo that season, and it was a similar thing to that Peoria Open. I'm hanging out with kids that I had watched my freshman year. You know, they had stayed at Wharton Fieldhouse. So I've mm-hmm. seen all these kids come to the Quad Cities, and I'm watching, looking at their records. And Carl Forsythe had the takedown record in Illinois that year. And I was like, oh, look at this guy, you know. And I'm watching with my friends who don't wrestle and getting all fired up. And then the next year, I realized, you know, I'm with these kids. I practiced with them all summer. And so I just kind of went out there with it in my mind that I wasn't going to give anything away again like I did that last year. And then in the finals, I ended up wrestling that Carl Forsythe again. And I was like, hey, look at that. I was watching him <laughs> last year as a fan, and now he's my competition. Dude, isn't it crazy how the belief you have in yourself is literally 99% of it when you get to that level? No, oh, it is not. It's 100%. I mean, not 100%, obviously, but yeah. it is crazy. It's super high uh, in terms of the influence of it. And is that something like you knew at the time or looking back now you realized you didn't have the confidence? Yeah, I think it's more looking back. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it built – you know, through high school, because the next year I was the top dog after that, and I didn't, I didn't lose until the sectional finals. And, you know, so I had the confidence there, but I still didn't really understand the mentality of it all, you know, until kind of later on in college, having different coaches and working with, like, we had a Russian coach who had a crazy mind, and his mentality kind of just stuck with me and taught me quite a bit. His name was Agassi Manukin. He uh, was a world champ in the USSR team before they split it all up. He was teammates with Karelin and all those guys. Um, I think the Sativ brothers maybe. But he was a coach at Northern Michigan there. He was a head Greco technician. So uh, he had just the craziest mindset when it came to things. We had a guy who kept getting gut-wrenched one day in practice. And he told the guy, hey, Taylor, you get gut-wrenched, hang yourself. And the whole team kind of looked around at each other like, is this guy serious? Like, no, 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 not by neck. He's like, take the rope and hang yourself by the ribs. He's like, you won't get gut-wrenched anymore. So just the way his mind operated with things. Everything was just easy, simple, and just do it. <laughs> Isn't there like just a huge clarity and relief to something like that where you may be overthinking a match or overthinking a, a technique or, or even a tournament and you hear someone like that, a real master, and they'd say, listen, forget all that. Just go out there and wrestle. It just gives us a sigh of relief, takes some weight off your shoulders, you know? Yeah, it really does. I mean, the first time I was at one of my senior level tournaments, I was wrestling a bronze medalist in the world. And it was the halftime. I think it was scoreless. And the 30-second break, he's, you know, rubbing down my shoulders and stuff. And he told me, West, grab him and tech fall him. That's it. Easy, simple. 
I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it's, it's that easy. And, you know, obviously that's not what happened, but I did go out there with kind of a little more relaxed, like, yeah, it's just wrestling. You know, I'm just going to go grab him and hit my moves. It doesn't matter who he is or what he can do. I mean, Dude, I Russians think he actually went a... out there, grabbed me, and tech fault me. But <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Russians are a different breed, man. They're just so mentally tough. It's insane. Yeah, they really are. Have, have you ever been I... over to Russia training over the years? No, I haven't. And that's, I mean, I've been probably five different countries, but that's one I've always wanted to visit. We actually got my team, the freestylers are out there right now. I'm with the IRTC now. And Coach Medlin, his son, Isaiah Martinez, Nick Dardanes, and Zane Richards are all out in Russia for the month. And I'm watching all their posts, envious that I'm not there with them. Man, I saw Medlin's post that he did the the polar plunge. Uh, oh, yeah. Dude, but you got to imagine, that's something those guys are doing every day out there. It's not like a one-and-done type thing. Oh, yeah, they they do that as kids. Like, that's their flu shot. They'll take the Russian kids outside and dump buckets of water on them, you know, so they get that, you know, cold, and it's in the wintertime, you know, and that's like their flu shot. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> toughen up to the environment. You're not going to get sick if you go outside without a jacket. Man. Dude, what's it been like uh, training with Coach Medlin? He seems like a real master as well. You think about great coaches. Not everyone might not oh, know man. him, but he's such a legend in Illinois. Oh, he is phenomenal. He's he's the guy who kind of started my whole Greco freestyle. I mean, you know, obviously you with the Outlaws kind of introduced me to what it was. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, my junior year, he had called me up and I just accepted a position on like the Disney dual team to go wrestle folk style in Florida. And then he called me up like literally the same night and said, hey, you want to join the Greco dual team? And I told him, oh, I don't wrestle Greco. I'm not interested. He goes, I'm not asking what you do. I'm asking, do you want to represent the team? And I kept, you know him on saying, I, it's not really my style. I'm a freestyle guy. And he said, listen, I don't care what you think you do. He said, wrestling's wrestling. Do you want to be on the team and represent Illinois? I said, yeah, I guess so. And then being up there with him and Mike Powell, just the way their minds work and having such an elite team, you know, being on Geneseo, we didn't necessarily have a lot of strong teams right. when I was going through high school. Me either. I'd go to state with like four, me and four coaches. So it was kind of nice being on this team where, you know, we'd, we had the pants off, dance off. Every time we'd get a five, we'd drop our pants and dance in the other team's face. <laughs> it was just a different mindset. You know, we're a bunch of high school kids, but the coaches out there telling us just to be brutal and thugs and mess these kids up. And it was kind of a cool attitude that stuck in my head that, yeah, you kind of got to be that guy. Dude, Illinois Greco you know, was, was no joke, man. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And I think we were on a streak at that point. Every year at Fargo, both styles, you know, juniors and cadets, Greco and freestyle, we had won like five years straight. So we got second that year at the duels to Wisconsin. Oh. I think we should have won it. So you were so you okay? So your junior junior year in high school, that's when you started wrestling Greco. The spring of your junior yeah, year, yeah, that was yeah. And I think it's because he had saw my match against Forside. It was a two-two match until the second period. I had a bad underhook technique, and I got assaulted probably five times. Counted every light in assembly hall. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up getting majored on my back. So he said, oh, this kid needs Greco in his life. But that was, so that the loss to Forsyth was your sophomore year, right? Yeah, so I okay. guess. Gotcha. That makes It might have been Marsden yeah. too, though, right? Because you wrestled Marsden in the state finals your junior year. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And so I guess that was the summer where I did the uh, Greco attack. Okay. Yeah, dude, Mike Powell is one of the most intense people I've met. I actually had breakfast with him last week 
because I'm going to be getting involved with oh, really? Chicago Beat the Streets. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. On the Young Professionals board, Colin Rogers, is a, he's actually leading it, the Young Professionals board for the Chicago Beat the Streets. Wrestled for Powell, went to Iowa, um, wrestled in high school, but didn't wrestle in college, and he got me involved with it. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll meet, I'll meet Mike Powell. I'd love to. I've heard so much about him. Man, I was sold within the first 10 minutes. He has just an intensity about him and just a straightforwardness that it's so rare to come by in this day and age. Yeah, he really is great. He, I mean, that, like I said, with that mindset with him and Midland, it was just refreshing the way they'd motivate and like the stories he'd tell. He hyped us up with a story about a, a midget named Elias in the Holocaust who would use what he had to win and, you know, get by. And he was the pimp walking around with all the blankets and all the soup. And everybody came to him because he used what he had. And, that stuck with me. It was just so funny the way he talked to us kids and rev us all up. And then the connections he had too, you know, I had coach, coaches calling me every week after that saying, yeah, Mike Powell was talking about you at big colleges that probably would have never found me in Geneseo if it wasn't for this guy. Dude, so that's I was grateful insane. for him. And yeah. So what are then, some of like the I lessons? Said, I oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, bud. I was going to, I was going to say, I didn't finish with Medlin either. I mean, you know, he got me started then and we were, kept in contact through the years and all this stuff I was going around. And then just this summer, I kind of reached out to him because I got back into it last year after the new year. And I reached out and said, Hey man, I need somewhere to train. I'm trying to make this Olympic team, but I can't do it on my own anymore. And he brought me down there, welcomed me in and they've been taking care of me. And he's just so connected in the world of Greco and even freestyle. He just knows so many people and he's got me helped up with sponsors and he's just the man. I can't thank him enough for the stuff he does. What's, like he is in the program. what's his background? I don't know much about him. Well, he uh, was from Washington, Illinois, and I don't really know. You know, he's like a great coach would be. They don't do much talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've just heard stories from other people, but it sounds like he went to Washington, grew up there, and then he uh, was on Northern Michigan, that Greco uh, OS, OTC program they have. He was the first one. He was the first class of that. Mm. So he was up there with, I think, I don't remember who his coach was, but I know he was a Marine too. And I think he did some professional fighting for a while. So he's, he's been around everywhere. He used everywhere. to go to Russia all the time and travel overseas, compete in Greco. So he's like a real I Greco tell you purist, his accomplishments, man. but he really is. But that's the thing too, with all the coaching he's done freestyle Greco and the folk style kids he coached at Washington were powerhouse for years. He really knows his stuff about that too. He's just a, Wealth of knowledge. He likes to read a lot and listen to wrestling stuff. He's just uh, all about that sport. He's like a philosopher almost. I see him posting about Nietzsche and, and just all kinds of shit like that. Seems like an interesting, interesting cat. Obviously, he's doing a lot of great things. And you look at a guy who can go from Chicago to Washington, Illinois. And when I was going through there, you you never even heard of that school. And you didn't think there's much talent there. But all of a sudden, he starts building a powerhouse. And then he be goes on to be the uh, the head coach of the Illinois RTC. It's just a great story. Yeah, it really is. And that's what's so cool, too, is, you know, Illinois always kind of had a problem. We've always had, you know, the baddest kids in the state growing up for high school, or in the nation, I mean. But then they all go to different schools and, you know, help other powerhouses. But he's coached so many of these kids growing up, and they have such a good connection. I think that Illinois is going to be on an upswing in these coming years since he's been here. I think they're getting more and more in-state talent to stay in-state. Even kids who go to other colleges and, and realize the coaches isn't who they sold themselves to be. and They just want to come back to a guy who's, you know, 
got a right mindset for the sport and helped. He's his main focus is on the athlete, what they can do, you know, rather than how he can pump himself up or get money for the club or whatever. Yeah, he seems totally selfless from what I've heard. Yeah, he is. So what was like the a couple of things you really took away from that training camp? You go up there and is it just like their confidence and their their attitude? I mean, or, or what were some other things that jumped out to you? Are you talking about this Colorado Springs one? No, no. So way back when you were a junior in high school, you go up there for the first time, you're around these guys. Like what, what really stood out to you the first time you were on that junior dual team? Well, the the one thing was just the attitude they all had, you know, Powell being at Oak Park and they brought three or four uh, Northern Michigan guy, Northern Michigan guys in. It was Ellis right before he did the flying squirrel, Ellis Coleman. Mm-hmm. So he had showed us that move before he went big with it. And Robbie Smith, Ben Provisor and John Drendel. And so these guys were in here just beating the hell out of us every day. And then the way the coaches would talk and it was just nothing, you know, it wasn't it was just an average day for them and we worked so hard, but it was just, they made it such a fun environment, motivational and the mindset of like, you can't be denied with anything you do. And I'm, you know, I'm used to kind of a smaller town attitude where you got to be humble. You work hard, but you do it in silence and you show up and do your stuff. But they were saying, no, screw that. Like your team, Illinois, you were the baddest kids in this state or in this nation. You got to own that. You got to walk in here with your chest puffed out and your chin up in the air. You're better than these guys. They kept telling us and, it was kind of nice. You, I'm walking around with Juana Cooley and Cooper. These guys are just jokesters. So yeah. the way they had that attitude, it was kind of nice. It just stuck with the whole team. It was infectious. Man, isn't that amazing how a good coach like that, just through motivation and and not only through words but by actions, they could just change a person's mentality. And it's not that you didn't have a good mentality already. You got second in the state twice. But it's like they took you to that next level. And, man, it's just amazing to be around great motivators like that it really is we were at Fargo that year after the duels and everything we were the last team out there and the lady who announces for USA Wrestling kept telling Illinois to clear the mats she's saying Illinois you are not special clear the mats you are no better than any team Medlin's keep drilling he said you guys are better he said don't listen to her you were the best team out here and you deserve this time and we just kept going. We just kept listening to him. Exactly. And then we broke it in. And he goes, hey, let's see how long we can take until she kicks us out of here. You know, and he just made everything kind of funny like that. It was, yeah, we're there for work, but it doesn't mean we can't have fun while we're doing it. Man, that is, that's so true. And you, you mentioned a name, Joanna Cooey. That guy is one of the most talented wrestlers I've ever coached. One time, Tanner and I were at Cedar Falls coaching him. He's up like, 12 to 1 in the finals of the of the USA Wrestling Folk Style Nationals and he gets a cut on his head and then the, the uh, trainer goes out there to put tape on his eye on his eyebrow and he's like you know in the middle of a national finals match he couldn't be calmer though in fact when the lady was taping <laughs> her taping his head he goes mm, that bubble gum smells good <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like him and then yeah, uh, he was a jokester do that morning i guess I was I was actually uh, I wasn't there at, yet at that time, but in the morning, my brother wakes up and he sees a cooey sitting in front of the mirror, and he's saying to himself, yep. "You're beautiful. You're a specimen. Yep. You're the man." Yeah. <laughs> That's how I actually became friends with him. We were roommates at Fargo, and he'd wake up every morning giving him these talks, hyping himself up. You're the pretty boy, a cooey. You the black Mexican, aka you know. He just kept giving himself nicknames <laughs> and talking to himself like Pretty Boy Floyd. And then he started coming out to Geneseo and hanging out with us. And it was just, 
he's a character. He actually came to Geneseo's homecoming our junior year. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, I set him up with a girl out here, and he came out to Geneseo. He was pulling teachers on the dance floor with his tie, and he was just the life of the party all the time. Dude, he's he's a fun guy, man. God, I, <laughs> he is. He was such a beast in football too, and people people forget. Well, maybe not Geneseo people, but. Dude, people still talk about your football skills back in the day, man. I was hanging out with some guys from Moline, and they were they were talking about when you were playing uh, for Geneseo. Did you ever think about playing football in college? Oh man, I, I loved football. That was, you know, that was kind of my first love. And like I said, my dad had that background. He had the skill and the strength and everything, but he was just too short. And so he saw the size I had, and you know, I lifted, but I was never a weight room guy like he was I didn't live in the weight room because I kind of understood wrestling requires a different kind of strength than just mm-hmm. being you know a bodybuilder look so I really did want to play football but that's kind of where my injury started and then I also kind of had a sour taste in my mouth just with how things were ran here in Geneseo how it was so kind of mm-hmm. more about you know it was good how it was all about the team it makes for good teams and everything but when it comes to getting you to the next level and being the best athlete, you know, we never recorded our forties or anything like that in high school and coaches would call and, you know, my wrestling coach was the one who was giving me my letters and all that because the football coach just didn't really believe in, you know, it wasn't necessarily as much about developing the athlete as it was developing the team. That so, seems crazy. Yeah. And then when it came to the injuries and everything, and I didn't do a lot of football camps in the summer. So I just figured wrestling was my best I always had it in my head. I wanted to go do the whole D1, you know, national champ, all that stuff. And when I was with Medlin and those Northern Michigan guys in high school, everyone was trying to convince me to go right to Northern Michigan and start my Greco career, travel the world. But I thought I had something better planned. You know, you're a kid who thinks he knows everything. And so my plan was, no, I'm going to go, you know, I had to do junior college. So I was going to go do that for a couple of years and then go back to Illinois or wherever I wanted to go big D1, you know, but I really wish I would have, taking a chance and listening to these guys because, you know, you start your career doing that Greco freestyle, your clock hasn't even started. So Oh, really? You could go be the best. Oh, yeah, you could go travel the world, you know, and compete with the best of the best. And if you're not in an NCAA program, you still have four or five years to compete against all those kids. Didn't know that, man. So that's – I mean, that's just a remarkable program they, they have up there. I had – um. Chaz Betts on the show and he was telling me about yeah. it and I kind of forgot about it that they did that and Drendel was actually my nemesis my senior year we went one and one um, and he went up there but yeah that's that's such a unique program do they still have it to this day yeah they do it's it's changed names it was the US OEC Olympic Education Center mm-hmm. but now it's the OTS Olympic Training Site and uh yeah, I listened to that one you had with Chaz, and that was a good interview. I actually wrestled with his brother. He was my teammate when I was up at Northern. Okay. I had gone there after, you know, I did the junior college thing, and then I went down to Southern Illinois, which was, you know, the D1 school, the only one still talking to me because I had a surgery freshman year and sophomore year of junior college on my same knee that I blew out senior year of high school. So after that, Southern was the only school still there, and I started doing the folk style but wasn't on the team because of – bad transfer GPA and to worry about my knee. And so I was kind of thinking I might've been done with the sport when that Northern Michigan coach emailed me and said, Hey, are you still out there wrestling? We're interested in having you up here. And I when, went up for a when was that? junior world team camp. That was maybe four years ago now. Okay. I want to say 2014, 2015, maybe. 
But uh, so I went up there for the junior world camp and they didn't have a partner for Adam Kuhn. So I was his partner and I hit him with a couple of arm throws and he called me into the office right there. He said, Hey, I'll give you a scholarship to come be a student here and join the team. If you want to come, you got to sign right now. And so I moved all my stuff up to Northern Michigan and got moved into the dorm and tried signing up for classes, but I hadn't got my trans my GPA or not my GPA, my uh, transcripts transferred because I owed money at Southern Illinois. So I was up there for two years, three years, maybe just being an athlete because I wasn't able to pay off the older uh, fines and get into school there. So ideally you're a student and then you're part of the program traveling the world, but the, the college works really well with the program and, you know, kids going overseas, they'll give all their papers to ahead of time and try to help them finish, get their degree while they're still training. Right. Dude, that story is like, it's not unique to you at all. It's old as time, man, as like kids not, well, kids whose parents, you know, my mom never went to college. I know your dad probably did, but it's like, I just feel like kids aren't well educated on that process in terms of like the reality of having debt and all that. And so you, that whole story really goes all the way back to October of your senior year of high school. At this point, you've gotten second in Illinois States twice. As a junior, your only two losses were to Austin Marsden, who went to Oklahoma State. So you're number one, a shoe in to win it. But then October of your senior year, you have a knee injury playing football. You try to come back, and then you know we were talking off air. Your, your senior year at sectionals, you kind of retweaked it and just couldn't compete. So you had to forego your senior year. And that kind of left the sour taste in your mouth. And then, I mean, a couple more injuries happened. And, you know, you said you were thinking about being out of the sport. Like, would you say that's kind of like your, your rock bottom or one of the lower points in your career? Like, thinking back through it? Yeah, it definitely is. Those injuries, you know, they're really, they're hard to come back from physically. But the mental thing is, I think, the hardest part. Getting back, not only having confidence in your body and that the injured part of your body that you can, you know, stay with it. But just what it does to, you know, your confidence and the role you're on, it seems like there's been so many different points where I've been on a roll. I'm just starting to get the attention. And, you know, it's a, it's a small community, but it's still kind of a f- tough fraternity to break into the point where you're getting invited everywhere and they're helping you out financially with stuff. And I'd get on a roll, just starting to get up, climbing up, you know, in the national rankings. And then something would happen with an injury and it would knock me down, you know, five, six months of recovery. And it was pretty pretty low point there right before I started doing the Greco again because I'd had three surgeries on my knee. You know, I had a cadaver ligament put in. Then the screw came out and it was embedded in my muscle, so they had to go back in, pull the screw out of my muscle. I dropped down, you know, I lost 50 pounds because I couldn't shoot on my knees and I couldn't really do much lifting-wise. Wow. I was pretty down. You know, you work so hard for the sport and you give so much of your life to it. And, you know, there's not the most lucrative future as there is, but when it gets taken from you and there's nothing you could do about it, it is a pretty frustrating uh, position to be in. So it was, it was probably yeah about rock bottom for the sport for me. Yeah, it's like it make, leaves a bitter taste in your mouth too. You know, you're kind of like man, you work so hard and you get so little. You're just like man, you just keep falling short and getting knocked down a few pegs. And for a while there, I was kind of just mad at the sport, mad at myself, and it took some stuff to get me out. <laughs> well, it's like, that's, that's the life lessons it teaches you though. It's like very few people achieve their ideal dream in wrestling. Like super, even like guys like 
like the NCAA champions, if they have goals to be Olympic champions, you know, if they don't get that, they didn't achieve their goals. So most people don't achieve them, but it's obviously the lessons we learned through that process. And so the perseverance, the grit, the attitude essentially kind of comes back to you. And then when did you get back on this current run you're on now? Cause you just got fifth the, uh, at the senior open, which is amazing. Yeah. I actually got fourth out there. Fourth. Okay. I, I, I was in the third and fourth place match and then I defaulted out because I wanted to live to fight another day. Gotcha. But, um, so when did like this you were saying with that, start, well, it actually started last year, but like you're saying, I kind of realized, yeah, it's not about the end goal. It's about the process. You know, I'm traveling the world with my best friends and I'm just having a blast doing it. And I'm realizing it's about the relationships you make and the connections you make and everything like that. And, you know, I was there for three years traveling, competing at the senior level, loving it. And then the 2016 games, I had broke my foot that year a few times and kept rolling my ankle. So I moved back home and, you know, got ankle and foot surgery. I was out for maybe two or three years from 2016 until last year. Last year was actually New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. And my dad and sister were just sitting here in Geneseo and asking about resolutions or goals for the coming year. And I said, well, 2020 is just around the corner and I got to get a good year of competition under my belt before that year comes. So I guess my goal is to compete again. And uh, my dad said, well, go to the Dave Schultz tournament. And I said, that's like 20 days away. I'm, I'm sitting here coaching high school kids, you know, doing, mm-hmm. not doing the whole practice. I'm just wrestling with the kids and letting them get the real workout. And uh, he said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're in shape or not. Just go do it. You said you're going to compete. Go compete. And so I grabbed Robert Cooney, who used to be an outlaw with us mm-hmm. too. He was helping coach at Geneseo. And we started, you know, working out once every night after the practice or before practice. And uh, I went to the Dave Schultz tournament and, you know, it was for the first time, you know, I hadn't really put in tons of the work, but the mindset I had going into it, you know, I I had nothing to lose. I signed up for both Greco and freestyle because in my head I was going to go out, you know, in that elevation, go wear out and get beat twice in Greco and then go get some more matches for freestyle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went out there to the Schultz tournament and, like I said, I was off the couch and I didn't have any sponsors or anything. So it broke the bank getting me there. And it was a hell of a deal getting to the site and, yeah, you know, How so? where I stayed. And well, I just, I was scraping together. I kind of did it all last minute. I got to Denver and realized the Springs was an hour and a half, two hours. And I had to line up all kind of rides to get there. And then they wouldn't let me on the Olympic training site because it's kind of like Fort Knox around there, you know. And I'm signed up for the tournament, but they wouldn't let me come work out and get my credentials. So I uh, <laughs> finally called the USA head guy, and he talked me past the gate. And then he talked me to the front desk girl. You know, I was sitting there kind of arguing with her, saying, what, do you want me to go to Anytime Fitness to go cut some weight? Like, this is ridiculous. I'm wrestling in your international tournament tomorrow. Come let me use your, your equipment. Mm-hmm. And so they finally let me in, and I wrestled the Greco tournament the next day. For the first time, I got my first USA Wrestling paycheck. I think I got third there. And I only lost to some Georgian guy because I gave him too much respect, kind of like I did that freshman year. I was like, oh, you know, he's a tough Russian. Mm-hmm. Just didn't wrestle the right way. Got Ended up getting third there. But I wow. kind of realized the mindset of just carefreeness is what did it for me. I went out there with nothing to lose and ended up winning. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and how long after that until you called Brian Medlin? Um, well, so I did that and then I went to the U S open and I got fifth and then, you know, cause at 
Dave Schultz tournament, I was kind of talking to Drendel, was coaching at this Williams Baptist University, and I had I had visited there, thought about going to school there. And Medlin was with, there with Travis Rice at the IRTC and uh, there for the freestyle guys. So each of them were helping me coach. You know, they'd coach me in the corner for one match, and old teammates would. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to the U.S. Open, Medlin was in my corner for those matches too. And, you know, I got to the semifinals, you know, and I was still working out off the couch. I'd go up to Northern Michigan the week before that. But uh, just the way he was talking to me in the corner, you know, I was getting pretty excited in my semifinal match. And he said, you know, just calm down and got my head in the right spot. And I, I was so unattached from the team and everything. I didn't realize that, you know, all American being a top five or seven there would get me to the world team trials. And so after I, I think I got fifth last year there, I went out to the world team trials. It was like two or three weeks later and I hadn't worked out a bit because I went out to California after Vegas thinking, you know, it was just the open and that was the end of my year. So (laughs) (laughs) I went to the world team trials, had a horrible tournament and came back here to Geneseo and I was working out, getting ready and, I just realized I needed, I couldn't do it on my own anymore. I think I called him August of this year. Dude, so you were training that whole time just like at the high school from your, from the home base essentially up until recently? Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was me and Robert Cooney. And then uh, I'd go up to Northern Michigan. I think I went up there for one week before the open. Yeah, that was really the only official Greco training I had with senior level athletes. And so now you're down at Champaign, Illinois, the Illinois RTC. So are you living there and training full-time? Yeah. I'm, and I just got back from the spring, so I'm not down there at this moment. But I'll be going down here, I think, Wednesday. And I just uh, accepted a volunteer assistant position working out with Luffman, their heavyweight wrestler there. Dude, congrats. So That's I, huge. Yeah. it's. It, it, I'm excited for it all to start. It's going to be different you know i've been doing this greco kind of independent nomad thing for so many years and it'll be different getting back into some folk style wrestling and traveling with them a little bit but it should be nice what's the uh what's what's a day in the life like wrestling uh, for the illinois rtc are you working out with the college guys or kind of what, what's it look like for you yeah it's uh i mean we we lift i lift more because i'm a heavyweight now and i'm trying to get stronger that's my big thing Mm -hmm. so i'll lift probably three or four times a week and uh, sometimes while the freestyle greco guys are doing cardio i'll go do lifts but uh we'll have a morning practice at nine or ten sometimes eleven and uh and is that just the rtc or is that the college guys too yeah well there's six of us on the rtc roster but they'll bring uh, maybe there's eight of us but two of them are satellite athletes and they'll bring you know a few wrestlers from the college team and we'll do practices that way. But then sometimes I'll also go in with the college team and I'll practice with them just to work with their heavyweight because he doesn't, you know, they don't really like to keep their starters. They don't have them jump down to the RTC with us. So it's just kind of, you know, pick and choose and the schedule kind of varies just so we can get good partners for everybody. And Medlin's constantly lining up different partners and, you know, different uh, workouts for us. And he'll text us, you know, who our partner is for the day and what time we're going and what we'll be doing for the practice. So, Man, it must feel great to have some structure on the training again, be a part of a team. And Do you see yourself wrestling past 2020? Yeah, I, I kind of hadn't. You know, I've, I was kind of saying this is it. Might as well, though. And everything. Yeah, exactly. The way things have been going and 
like, you know, like I said, it does leave a bitter taste in your mouth. And last year when I was doing things on my own, I was kind of like, man, you know, this is just too much of a struggle. I can't do this. I got to get on with my life, start making money. You know, I've got a pile of things that I've just kept in my back view mirror. I just don't look back. I just keep going, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I got to start taking care of stuff, but now it's kind of starting to, you know, I realize that there is more of a future than there used to be for wrestling. Just the experience I've got having the facilities and the structure and then just being able to go do these amazing things. Like I just got back from Colorado and we were training with all the guys going over to qualify for the Olympic, you know, qualifier weight class and all this stuff that I've done in years past, but struggled so hard to make happen. It's just nice. You know, the program helps me out or New York athletic club who they set me up with, they help out too. And it just makes it. So all you got to do is show up and wrestle. That's awesome, man. I, I didn't know how the sponsorship worked. I mean, or what it even meant to wrestle for the New York AC. I mean, do they help you out with your travel costs and, and tournament costs and that kind of thing and just help you get there so you can just focus? Yeah, they'll register you and, you know, they'll get your room, your hotel room and everything and your flights. I mean, I think the IRTC helps out with that too when it comes to flights and everything Love it. for camps and stuff. But yeah, it just makes it so, you know, you're not booking anything, you're not stressing where you're going to stay or how you're going to get to and from, you know, you just show up and take care of business. Dude, it's a great time for wrestling right now. I think obviously there's more money ever than the RTCs, but you think about, you know, the UFC, that's bringing a lot of light to wrestling because there's so many great, all the, you mean most of the champs are wrestlers. So that's bringing a lot of positive light to wrestling. Like the world championships, we're back to 10 weights. It's just a great time and people are making a living on it now. Not that you can live with a family, but you can do a lot more than you used to. And some t- I mean, maybe in the future you'll be able to. So freaking great to see that, man. And I-, I just couldn't be happy for you because you think, dude, you put a couple years together here. You could easily have the resume to, to coach at like a-, a college or at the Northern Michigan uh, tr- uh, program they have going up there or whatever, man. It- it's amazing. So like, I'm with you. Why the heck would you step away when like you're you're healthy and you're going right now? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm on that climb again and I'm getting, you know, the head Greco coach was talking with me and trying to get me to come back out for another training camp in February here. And it is just, you know, yeah, you, you can't gotta stop go. when you got the momentum. Yeah. And Hell like I no. said, I used to have to, you know, at Northern Michigan, it's not an RTC. So the funding's not necessarily there and you're, you're still there competing and doing a lot of cool stuff, but you're, necess- you're pretty much going out, going around shaking your head at people saying, hey, you know, help me out. This is my dream. Somebody please help me get there. And mm-hmm. it gets, it, you know, it's always hard asking for money. And so at least here at Illinois, we've got the tax deductible thing. You know, you go to the IRTC website, and everything people donate, they can write off. And then it's a non-for-profit organization too. So them helping us out is just what the sport needs. Those people help people baby. everywhere and it's great i love it yeah it really i love is. it god it's awesome man well last thing i'll ask is are we will we see you compete before the the trials you're gonna gonna rest and stay healthy and just keep training until the trials well they tossed around a couple we might go uh i heard france was in the talk there's a tournament at the end of this month and then a training camp following that in paris so we were thinking about that a little bit but like i said i'm when I get back to Champagne, I'm going to be starting with uh, the heavyweight and the big guys out there doing the folk style training, which should help me with my cardio and everything. But I don't know exactly what the scheduling is going to be like when it comes to me traveling and competing between the open and or the uh, trials and this. 
Dude, so you're so going to be So I guess I got to feel it out a little bit. You're going to be a freaking coach for the University of Illinois wrestling team here pretty soon. That's crazy. Yeah. How how Yeah. I mean, if you think back to um, you know, what was it? New Year's Eve 2 years ago with your mo- with your sister and your pops like that would have been hard to imagine, dude. Like that's pretty incredible that that kind of turnaround. That it is exactly. And that's it kind of motivates me just being down there working out because like I said, I was a stubborn kid and my dream was always, you know, oh yeah, we're going to make Illinois great again. I'm not going over to Iowa. I'm going to be a University of Illinois wrestler. I'd go there every year for Fargo. And yep. That was always the dream. And then when it didn't work out, you know, you just kind of give up that dream and start carrying on. But now being back there, you know, you're running around the track looking at all the Illinois stuff. You're like, man, this is where I always wanted to be. I used to practice here in high school, you know, and it is it is pretty cool when I stop and think about it that I'm kind of living a dream I had as a kid, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be now. Well, second chances are a great thing, man. I love a comeback story, maybe even more than someone who's been to the top and consistently kept it there because it's, you know, the the fortitude to get yourself up and get refocused, especially when it's all gone, right? I mean, you were, I mean, living in Geneseo, not around like the Team USA guys. I mean, you could have easily got a job, start going to the local bar, and the rest would have been history, right? Maybe you'd be like the middle school coach or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know what I mean? But like the fact that you had aspirations and went for it, I love that kind of a story, man. That's why I wanted to get you on here. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I'm always rooting for the underdog because I do. I understand what it's like not to have it in your life and how hard it is coming back. And, you know, it seems like I've got friends who are in the UFC and doing stuff like that. And, you know, they're still slept on and getting passed up for chances. And you just, you know, people always, uh, they don't know what's out there until you just keep working and get what you, you know, you got to take it. Sometimes you can't just be given the shot. Got to take chances. Got to keep going, man. And you're doing that. And dude, I can't wait to watch you wrestle. I'm going to be there at the trials. And I know a lot of people back in our hometown are, are as well. Last question for you, my brother. And this is what we ask everyone is, how has wrestling changed your life? But, you know, you're so young and you're still going. So, I mean, don't have uh, you know, the, the 60 or 70 years to look back on like some of the other guys. But what has wrestling given you thus far in your in your life? Yeah, and I've heard you ask that question. And I've thought about how I'd answer it. And like you said, I mean, I, I haven't really – I'm not one who kind of looks back and sees the whole picture all the time. I kind of got a one-track mind and try not to focus on the other stuff. But – really the answer to that would be that wrestling kind of is my life at the moment. You know, every, even if I wasn't to, you know, when I stopped doing it and kind of thought I was done, the jobs I was getting were connections I had through wrestling. And, you know, it's just the mindset you get and the connections you make and how close those connections are and the friends and coaches that you have, like, you know, it's just a, a big web of life that you can always stay successful. And even if you're completely done with the sport competing, you know, you don't want to coach, you'll still get hooked up with other opportunities through the friends you made and those connections you've had. Powerful so, yeah, I guess West Cathcart. Powerful West Cathcart, yeah. man. <laughs> it, is, it is the relationships. I mean, that is, a lot of people say mental toughness or work ethic. Those are important. But, man, the people you beat through wrestling, it's just a, it's hard to go back to regular people, you know, like non-wrestlers. Like, if you ever have just a normal job and you have to go in there and meet non-wrestlers, it's tough sometimes. It's like the people you meet, yeah. such a benefit of the sport. It's just a different understanding, a different respect you got for each other. You know how hard you go in and work every day, and, you know, the reward's not always going to be something that you can, you know, 
be set with. It's not going to set you up with love, but it'll change your mind and make you realize that you just got to keep working no matter what you're doing, no matter what you get out of it. It's just hard work and a different kind of mental, mental approach to things. Life exactly. in general. It's very purposeful. You know, like the things you do are purpose, purposeful. You're not like just kind of going through the motions kind of thing. So that's, that seems to be, yeah. uh, be the case with a lot of folks who've, who've wrestled. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's just great. Just like I said, at that training camp, I was just at just seeing all those friends, and, you know, re rekindling those relationships that you haven't, you know, I'm not there training with those guys every day and I don't get to see them, but you pick back up where you left off whenever you do run into them. And you seem to see each other at the same tournaments and the same camps. And it's just always a good time. Had to be good to be back there, man. Well, like I said, honor to have you on. Thank you so much for your time, brother. And I cannot wait to watch you get back out there again. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.